Hello, 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 Miami Dolphins football fans. My name is Aaron Katzker, a.k.a. Aaron the Brain, and welcome to another episode of The Same Old Dolphins Show. As always, uh, a partner of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network, your one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins. It's been a couple of weeks since I last joined you. Last I joined you, uh, this quarantine had just kind of started, and uh, we didn't really grasp everything that we uh, that we had in store, and now we are well in the thick of it, and we're about Ah, two, three weeks into quarantine, the hair is growing long, uh, the days are getting longer or shorter, depending what you do. I don't know about you guys, um, but I found that my sleep schedule is way off. <laughs> I know that, you know, I try to schedule myself tasks to do over the course of the day, but, uh, it's, it's not the same. And, and of course that only works if you stick to it every day. Uh, but you know, I've tried to stay relatively active, um, go for walks just around my neighborhood, you know, keep the social distancing thing going on, uh, and not try to like go out in the general public unless I absolutely need to, uh, for, for groceries or banking or things of that sort. Uh, but, you know, just, just to get some fresh air and just to kind of stretch the legs and, uh, you know, do some calisthenics, get, get a little bit of a workout in just to try to break up the day and keep myself sane. Also been, uh, cooking a little bit more and, uh, just, you know, spending time with the family. But, you know, there's only so much that you can do, uh, when you, when you're trapped indoors. So it's, you know, hard to stay sane in these crazy times, but, uh, that said, uh, I wanted to record another show for you guys since we are now just a couple of weeks away from the NFL draft. We know that the NFL draft is going to happen. At least we think that is going to happen. It's going to essentially be happening virtually. Uh, so it's going to be kind of like doing the draft, uh, doing your fantasy draft almost like everybody just kind of gets online. It's like a live online draft, uh, you know, it's like doing your Madden draft back in the day. Uh, so it's definitely going to be an interesting watch or an interesting follow to see how this thing goes. But way more interesting uh, than how the draft will actually take place is, as per usual, what is going to happen. Uh, look, we've been waiting essentially two years for this moment, and we're just two weeks away. It's been about two years since... Uh, well, I guess about a year and a half, really, since um, things kind of got dismantled. The whole idea of the quote-unquote tank or the quote-unquote rebuild, whatever you, you call it, kind of came into place. Um, and it, it was all designed on this year, uh, gaining draft capital, uh, getting all of those picks, hopefully getting as high a first round pick as possible so that you can ensure that you're going to get that QB of the future. And here we are just two weeks away and the rumors have started and they are flying and they're all over the place. Um, for weeks and weeks, it seemed every single mock draft had the Dolphins tied to Tua Tonga-Vailoa. That was the guy that, that, 
that was the, he was the reason for the 2019 season. The reason for the tank was Tua was this generational talent uh, that was considered a can't miss prospect. And he was the reason for the season, the reason for the tank. You you do as poorly as possible so that you can guarantee that you get to a tongue of Iowa and then you build around him. Well, he gets hurt. Joe Burrow has this meteoric rise, and now Joe Burrow is the prize, but Tua is still there, albeit with his health issues. And still, for weeks and weeks and weeks, Tua was seemingly the guy, and the the uh, the general consensus was it was almost a blessing that Tua got hurt because now the Dolphins can get Tua potentially at five, uh, or maybe they'd have to trade up, but wouldn't have to trade up all the way to one uh, to get him, probably just to two or three. Uh, but now uh, you've got uh, the rumors that the Lions could potentially. Uh, be be interested in Tua. They've already said that they're moving on from Matthew Stafford, so it would make sense that they would have interest in Tua. Uh, but then again, it could be a bluff. The, the Dolphins, uh, the, the latest rumor is that the Dolphins want to move all the way up to number one, but the Cincinnati Bengals people are leaking out there that it's going to take the Dolphins' entire draft pick or, or dra- draft uh, this year, essentially, to get him. They're talking about the Dolphins giving up their first six picks in this draft, which includes uh, f- uh, five in the in the first two rounds uh, to to move up to get Joe Burrow. Is it worth it? Uh, me personally? I'm not sure that I'd want to give up that much, but I'm not certain that it would take that much because you got to remember at this time, at this spot where we're in, this is the height of the poker match. This is everybody posturing. You don't know what to believe. It's the height of smoke screens because let me tell you, we're, we're two weeks from the draft, essentially a little bit more than two weeks. What would it behoove it wouldn't behoove the Cincinnati Bengals to come out there and just say, this is what it's going to take to get Tua. Uh, just give us your, your, your three first rounders and, you know, give us a second rounder. Uh, and then, you know, maybe a second, one of your second rounders next year. If they said that and then the Dolphins said, okay, we've got a deal. I mean, they've got two weeks. They're on the clock for another two weeks. Why wouldn't their asking price be astronomical? We don't know right now if there is anybody. I mean, I'm sure m- multiple teams are asking what the price is right now. Um, but we don't know if there are any serious talks going on for that number one pick. And... Uh, we don't know what the, what those teams are and what those teams would be willing to give up because nobody in their right mind is going to give up that information. You're going to hear some things leaked, but anything that is leaked from an organization would presumably be to benefit that organization. So by the same token, when you're looking at leaks coming from the Dolphins and you're hearing that the Dolphins, the new thing is, they're not high on, they're not as high on Tua as everybody thinks, and they're actually higher on Justin Herbert. That could be true. It absolutely could be true. But at the same time, it could absolutely not be true because if I was 
the Miami Dolphins, what I would be telling people, if I mean, I wouldn't want to tell anybody anything, but if I'm going to leak anything to the media, that would be it. Because you don't want these other teams to know or think that the Miami Dolphins are desperate. Because if we come out there and we say, we're not high at all on Justin Herbert, then these teams know that you've got two options. You're either trading up to get Joe Burrow or you're either waiting or trading up to get Tua Tonga-Vailoa. And that means that they have all of the leverage in this situation, in this poker match. So, look, part of me is very worried because I've said on this podcast multiple times, if you never... uh listen to this podcast or 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 if you're relatively new you may not have heard uh my opinion on Chris Greer um I'm not necessarily uh just an absolutely like you know this guy is awful he's never going to make uh the right pick I'm not necessarily at that strong of a stance but I I did believe that after First off, I didn't believe that he should have been promoted to being the, essentially the, you know, the final decision maker on all roster moves. I never liked that decision because when you got rid of Tannenbaum, I always felt like, look, one of the things that the Dolphins have done horribly wrong over these last 20 or so years of mediocrity has been that they really haven't had a clear vision in the front office. The only time they had a clear vision over, I think, the past 20 years is when Bill Parcells took over the team and you had, he brought in his people and they were a clear vision for about a couple of years until Tony Sperano was fired and then Joe Philbin was brought in and blah, blah, blah. You know, they couldn't, you, you had, different visions for how things should be run, basically, essentially, since Stephen Ross took over. And I just thought they should have cleaned house, brought in one guy, clear vision. But they brought in Brian Flores. Brian Flores and Chris Greer seemed to be on the same page. So I was like, okay, I'm fine with it. But then when Chris Greer went and traded for Josh Rosen, whom he had essentially been researching for two years before making that move. And I realized that it was a little bit, that it was a low risk, high reward trade. But at the same time, my thought was, this is, I mean, it's not like they gave up nothing. They gave up a late second and a fifth, which is valuable. I mean, we can't sit here and talk about how we love all this draft capital that we've gotten back. And then on the, and then on the same breath, say, we didn't give up anything for Josh Rosen because we did. And so the fact that we did and Josh Rosen has proven to be an abject failure. And how do I know that? Well, the fact that we're sitting here and we're talking about how we need to draft a quarterback uh, and we may need to trade up to get a quarterback tells you everything you need to know about the Josh Rosen experiment. It was a failure. And so my thought was with Chris Greer being in this organization for a decade or so, give or take, and being in a position where he is of, you know, primary responsibility when it comes to making decisions involving the roster, uh, you know, for several years, that for him to make that move and for it to not work out, I would feel a lot more comfortable if we had somebody else in charge 
of drafting, particularly at the quarterback position. But Chris Greer is, is the guy. So, you know, I don't have a ton of faith in him, but I, I would say I'm about 30-70 as far as my face. I have about 30% uh, faith in that Chris Greer is going to find the right guy. But they're saying the right things, but, you know, do I believe it or not? Part of me is worried uh, that the that it's true that they are uh, you know, higher on Herbert than they are on Tua. Now, personally, I'm not one of these big draft gurus. I don't watch a ton of college football. So if you really want to get uh, an in-depth opinion on what I want the Dolphins to do as a whole in their draft, what players I want you, I want to see them target later in the first round, in the second round, the third round, the fourth round, and so on. I'm not really the guy to turn to. And, and while I'm flying solo here, uh, and, you know, normally I've got, uh, Josh on the other line. Josh is, he's with me where neither of us are big draft. So this isn't the show for you if you want to know in depth draft, but we have enough cursory knowledge to know what we, the direction we want to see this team go. And we, we still have valuable opinions on what on the way we want to see this thing built. And I can't speak for Josh in this regard, but I can speak my own opinion. And while I'm not high on Justin Herbert, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that if the Dolphins draft Justin Herbert, that it's an awful draft pick because I don't know. Now my, my inkling, my gut tells me that it, that Justin Herbert is probably pretty close to being another Ryan Tannehill, which is uh, a quarterback that could be a starter, but is not somebody that you would necessarily trust to build your team around and to move forward in a run towards contending for a championship, which ultimately should be the goal of every NFL team. And certainly we hope that that is going to be the goal for this Miami Dolphins team uh, going forward, at least over the next several years. You know, I'm not sold on Justin Herbert, but you know, he maybe, maybe he is better than, than I think. I, I certainly, as much as I'm not a fan of Chris Greer, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I know more about these quarterbacks than Chris Greer does. That said, if the Dolphins don't aren't if the Dolphins aren't willing to do something bold to get one of those two quarterbacks whom there is a general consensus are by far and away the top two prospects as far as the quarterback position is concerned in this draft. There are, there are varying uh, opinions on Justin Herbert. There are varying opinions on Jordan Love and the rest of the lot uh, of quarterback prospects coming into this draft. My stance has been you didn't totally tear everything down to not make a bold move at quarterback. You didn't tear this thing down to draft Justin Herbert. Now, it is true, last year, prior to the draft, Justin Herbert was considered arguably the top quarterback prospect uh, coming out and then decided to go back to school. So maybe they were high on Justin Herbert the whole time. Um, but again, Chris Greer 
Am I that sold on Chris Greer? This is a guy who wasn't a, who wasn't high on high enough on quarterbacks to move up uh, a few years ago, two years ago when we had that big quarterback class. Um, scoffed at the idea. We know this is this is fact. We know that Stephen Ross banged the table for Lamar Jackson, and that Chris Greer and Mike Tannenbaum both totally scoffed at the idea of trading down, picking up extra picks, and still getting Lamar Jackson, which, in retrospect, was absolutely the move to make. Granted, I'm not a big Lamar Jackson guy either, or at least wasn't when he was coming out. So I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to fault Chris Greer entirely, but again, it's not my job to pick the quarterback. It's Chris Greer's job to 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 pick the quarterback. And he doesn't have a good track record is all I'm saying. So while on the one hand, if he drafts Justin Herbert or Tua or Joe Burrow, whoever it is, we're not going to know if that was the right pick right, right away. We're not going to know probably for at least three years. The general feeling is you want you want there to be conviction and you want them to get their guy. And if there's any truth to them being higher on Tua or Joe Burrow, then you've got to make it happen. You didn't pick up all of these picks not to use them. And that brings me to the other school of thought. The other school of thought, and I, and this is, I'm telling you, I could see this happening with Chris Greer in charge. Is I could see Chris Greer thinking, look, we want to trade up for Joe Burrow. We want to trade up for Tua Tonga But we just simply are not going to overpay to do it. And so I could see him standing pat, hoping that Tua drops to them at number five. But if he doesn't, not even taking Justin Herbert, just flat out using the picks on the best player available, which in general is a strategy that I love. But in this particular draft, when you have tanked and, well, you have rebuilt and you have put so much emphasis into getting extra picks so that in the event that you did win more games that you thought you, than you thought you would, you would be able to trade up. You've been as bad as possible so that you would be in position to get that quarterback that you wanted. If you don't get the guy that you, that you want, to me, it was all a waste. Now, I could totally see them saying, Ryan Fitzpatrick, look, dude's, dude's heady, great leader, has the locker room, had a very good season once he was re-given the reins after a slow start and then a brief interlude of Josh Rosen for a few weeks. After that, from that point on, he was really good and the Dolphins had a winning record over the last nine games. So, look, why, why can't we win with, with Ryan Fitzpatrick? If he can go five and four in nine games with that Drek of a team, by the way, Drek, a Yiddish word for, uh, crap, let's put it. Um, if he could do that with that team, 
if we put a team around him, put an offensive line, get some more defense, have the development, the continued development of Devontae Parker and Preston Williams, have a second year of this offense, Mike Kosicki is developing, and then you get in a stud running back, maybe you pick up a running back in this draft. Obviously, they signed Justin Howard, uh, or Jordan Howard as well. Uh, I'm not so high on Jordan Howard, but I think he's a serviceable piece in a in a timeshare uh, as far as a between the tackles runner. But you put in all these pieces, you continue to build that defense, and why can't you win with a game manager like Ryan Fitzpatrick? And I could totally see them um, buying into this idea. But let's not forget that Ryan Fitzpatrick is what 38 years old. Um, has never been an upper echelon quarterback. Only one other year in his career, uh, his first year with the Jets, did he have a year where people thought, you know, maybe he does have that sort of upside. And then he followed it up the next year by having a bad year and being Ryan Fitzpatrick again. And I'm warning, uh, first off, you got to look at the contract. Yes, Ryan Fitzpatrick is on a very, very uh, team-friendly deal right now in the last year of his contract, and he's set to make, what, like $6, 7000000 million. But it's the last year of his deal. And if we don't draft a quarterback and we don't have a legitimate option for the future... Then you're giving, you're, you're going to end up with Ryan Fitzpatrick doing exactly what he did in his, after his second year with the Jets, which was saying, actually it was after his first year with the Jets because he was signed to a one year deal. And then he basically held the Jets hostage and he said, look, I'm your starting, your starting quarterback. I've proved, I've, I'm the leader in the locker room. Uh, you don't have any other good option and you're trying to make the playoffs. I want starting quarterback money, and that's how you end up paying Ryan Fitzpatrick upwards of 15 to $20 million a year. Granted, you're not going to give him any kind of long-term deal, but do we want to be in that situation where we're using a sizable amount of our cap space on a quarterback that was, let's face it, just supposed to be a band-aid, a stopgap to get us through a couple of years until we get our guy, and then when he inevitably doesn't reach the potential that that we're grasping at, we find ourselves back in the same exact situation that we've been in for the past two decades, which is we've built a team that we think can win around a mediocre quarterback and we just can't get over the hump. And that's what would happen, in my opinion, if we don't Get our guy this year. It's all there. Do what you got to do. I don't want to see us overpay. But at the same time, I would rather overpay to get the guy that we want, who's going to be the franchise quarterback of this organization for a decade plus, maybe even 15 years. I would overpay to lock down that guy. I'm not saying who it's going to be, uh, whether you'd rather have Burrow, whether you'd rather have Tua. I tend to lean towards Tua because I think injuries aside, he's the guy with the track record of having everything that you want and everybody is an injury risk and you'd have to trade up less, presumably, uh, to get to whether it's number two, the Washington pick or number three to the Lions to get him. Um, than you would to to trade all the way up to number one to get Cincinnati to move all the way down to number five uh, to go get Joe Burrow. 
But that said, do what you got to do. Look, milk it for as long as you can. Negotiate however you got to negotiate to get the price down. But at the end of the day, get your guy. Because if you don't, this tank was for nothing. That season that we just had was for nothing. And we're going to be looking at another decade of the same old Dolphins sitting in mediocrity. Now, um, I want to put a bow on this show just by talking a little bit, kind of revisiting the free agency market. Uh, the last show was kind of dedicated to what the Dolphins did in free agency. And if you listen to it, you know, I wasn't as excited as many of the Dolphins out there are about some of these signings. Look, I'm excited about having Byron Jones on board. I'm excited about the potential of pairing him with Xavier Howard. Although I tend to think, um, you're probably not going to have both of those guys here very long for more than more than a couple of years because it's an awful lot of money to to pour into um just one position on the team but granted the cornerback position is arguably the most important position on on the defense so if they wanted to do it I don't really have a problem because then you're talking about two elite level corners and that is a hell of a way to build a defense, especially when you pair it with adding in a guy like Kyle Van Noy. Uh, if Shaq Lawson ends up being, um, ends up having the upside that they believe, which is the reason why they gave him that contract, then, you know, those guys coupled with, um, you know, the emergence of some of the younger guys that have already been on the roster, plus whoever they draft in this draft, they could have the makings of a really good defense uh, going forward, and that's exciting. Um, but I don't love overpaying in free agency, um, which is the nature of free agency. But that said, the Dolphins had a lot of money, and they gave out a lot of contracts. Um, and I'll tell you the good thing, the thing that I like about these moves um, aside from getting a few uh, talented guys, uh, is that really all of these contracts, um, even even the Byron Jones contract, which is a five-year deal, then the Kyle Van Noy contract is a four-year deal, the rest of the deals, deals, all three years or less, but even the Byron Jones contract, it's essentially three years guaranteed, and there's very little dead cap after it. So what the Dolphins have essentially done or started to do is they've built themselves this three-year window uh, that they're going to have with this free agency, next year's free agency, coupled with the drafts over the next couple of years to build themselves what they believe will be a championship contending team if they've got the right quarterback. And if it doesn't work out, they'll still have a ton of flexibility provided that they don't blow that over the next two years in free agency. They'll still have a ton of flexibility to move going forward. They haven't tied themselves in the way that they have done in the past, uh, in the, both the Ireland era and the Tannenbaum era with, uh, giving guys backloaded contracts that you can't get out of where you're, you're fitting a bunch of guys in to try to win now. And then in a few years, you find yourself with a bunch of bad contracts that you can't get out of that. That was the, the, the position that they were put in previous. They haven't done that with these signings. So in that regard, I'm happy about it. My biggest question is, is it prudent 
to give up all of this money when you haven't first set uh, set yourself up where you first, you haven't gotten your quarterback, which essentially is the most important piece. And the fact that they made these moves to me spoke to they're going to draft a quarterback because the idea of spending all this money and building a team through free agency. And look, I realize they still have a ton of draft picks. They can still totally build this thing through the draft as well as free agency, but making these big splashy signings in free agency, you do this when you have a rookie quarterback deal. So that tells me that they're going to get the rookie quarterback, which again tells me that they've got to get their guy and get it right. They absolutely have to. Uh, if they don't get it right in this draft, uh, we're looking at least, we're looking at at least three more years of mediocrity, if not more. Um, and because they've built things the way that they're doing it, it means that if these quarterbacks don't work out or Fitzpatrick doesn't work out, then they're not going to be bad enough to get their guy, which again speaks to, is it prudent to get these guys? I would rather get the quarterback first and then attack free agency once you've got uh, a concrete plan in place. But maybe, just maybe, they know that one way or another, come hell or high water, they're getting Joe Burrow or Tua Tungavailoa. Now, I did want to answer one question because I think it's prudent to this conversation. And, you know, Josh kind of put out the call uh, a little bit ago. Uh, on Twitter, uh, did it actually uh, about a week or so ago on Twitter said, I'm going to be, Aaron's going to be recording a show. Give us your questions. And, and, uh, at Dolphins End Zone wrote in with the question, make the call 2020. Who's your starting quarterback? And to me, this is very simple because it doesn't matter who the Dolphins draft. Ryan Fitzpatrick is your starting quarterback. Um, uh, if it's Tua, I, I think you're redshirting him a year. If it's anybody, uh, you know, if it's Justin Herbert or anybody else that you're picking later, then I would say they're for sure redshirting a year. This is Ryan Fitzpatrick's team. The only quarterback that I think that I could see the Dolphins, uh, handing the reins over to would be if they traded everything to get up to get Joe Burrow, because then you'd be under a, a, a ton of pressure. But even in that case, I still think you're starting, you're going into the season with Ryan Fitzpatrick as your starting quarterback. And then you're not making that change unless Ryan Fitzpatrick is injured or Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing at a, it's coupled with Ryan Fitzpatrick playing at a poor level um, and underachieving and Joe Burrow showing things in practice that makes him undeniably the guy going forward because there's no need to rush that if you've got a guy that the entire locker room is behind and who's playing winning football. What it reminds me of is back in, I want to say 2003, uh, when the Bengals had the number one pick and they took Carson Palmer and uh, they had John Kitna on the roster and they had, they had built a, a pretty decent team around John Kitna um, 
in spite of the fact that they had the number one pick the year before. And they, you know, John Kitten was a solid quarterback, had years of starting experience with the Seattle Seahawks prior to there. Just a solid starting quarterback, kind of in the vein of a, you know, a Fitzpatrick, a, a Tannehill, like, you know, a game manager, not a franchise guy, but a, but a, a starting quarterback, a starting caliber quarterback. And the Bengals had a really nice season. I, I want to say they went eight and eight, maybe even nine and seven that year. And then they moved on from John Kitten and they moved the rain and they gave the reins to Carson Palmer. And that's what it reminds me of is that, and, and Carson Palmer came in like he was surefire number one considered can't miss prospect. Very similar, uh, to, uh, to, to Burrow and to Tua, obviously not with the injury concerns that Tua had, but that's what it kind of reminds me of. You got a guy that you know you can win with. You're not, let's not fool ourselves into thinking that we're winning the Super Bowl this year. Let's be pragmatic and be practical about this. You, there's, if you've got a serviceable guy that you know can lead this team and move this team in the right direction and a guy that whoever you bring in can learn from, there's no need to rush the next quarterback in, uh, at least, especially while you're still working out the pieces on the offensive line, figuring out what you want to do is you want to groom this offense and get it to a point where it's, it would be a smooth transition where, you know, it's basically, it's probably not going to be a Ferrari, but where at least it's a, you know, a Mustang. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm not a car guy. So, uh, you know, whatever, whatever you're really, you know, a nice sports car that runs really, you know, at least a BMW, uh, that, you know, the offense is a BMW and all you need to do is change the driver. And then you get that young, but that young driver that's got that upside and he can take that and mold it into what you want out of this offense. That's the way that I think it's going to go. So I think barring an injury, uh, to Ryan Fitzpatrick prior to the start of the season, uh, he's going to be your starter going into the season. I think no matter what, even if you trade a bunch of picks to move up to number one to get Joe, Bur- Joe Burrow. So that answers that question. And look, if you want to ask me more questions and you want to give feedback on the show, hit me up at Aaron the Brain. You could always hit up Josh at Amplified to Rock. Hit up uh, our Twitter at Same Old Dolphins. Uh, be sure to check out all of the great podcasts on the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. And stay tuned uh, because, you know, in the coming weeks, certainly we're going to be having some takes on what the Dolphins do maybe, you know, after each day of the draft or at least after the draft concludes. And then before you know it, you know, assuming that, uh, that, it, that things happen on time and this, and, and we get things under control with this virus, you know, it'll training camp will be right around the corner and then we'll be talking about actual football again. And I know that's where we all want to be. So until that happens, look, please stay safe, stay healthy, stay indoors, take care of yourself and your loved ones. Be safe, be healthy, and in the words of Amplified to Rock, Go Dolphins!